Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In the Gun, episode 26. It's time for an OU review. Boy, do we have plenty to discuss. The Mountaineers finally uh, get one over on those stinking Sooners. We've got a substantial shakeup in the athletic department with Shane Lyons on the way out. Plenty to get to here on this episode of ITG. Wesley Euler with the best teammates in the business, the runaway beer truck down the sideline. Owen Schmidt, speaking of the last time the Mountaineers beat the Sooners, and the signal caller, Jed Drenning. Gentlemen, this episode of ITG brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back. Hey, you might have seen your Mountaineer Hoops team kick the bleep out of pit on Friday night. 25 point win. Is that good? Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You always find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, the NBA, NHL, MMA, college sports, tennis, boxing, and even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE when you sign up to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. Bet online where the game starts. And gentlemen, do you want you want to go to the headlines here first, Jared? Do you want to take a look at the at the top 25 really quick? Uh let's jump to the headlines. Let's jump to the headlines. Let's do it. Let's yeah. give the people what they want. Of course, the big news of the day, Shane Lyons out as athletic director at WVU. Um, the news was was broken, I believe, by Metro News first there, and then the university a couple hours later with the the full press release and and the announcement and everything. Um, seven Set years stage West with the, the Pete Thamel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that. that's true. That Pete, all together, Pete Thamel, that yep. Yep. Pete Thamel, of course, uh, he's with the athletic now, isn't he? I think so. I first met him way back when he had just started at SI, but that okay. was 15 years ago. Uh, yeah. So I think it is the athletic now. So, so Pete Thamel of the athletic was on this early, uh, Metro news, not far behind the university putting out a press release, uh, early not early in the day early afternoon um late morning early afternoon on on monday shane lyons after seven years uh out as the athletic director uh jed initial reaction uh wow there's a lot of reactions you know yeah. um it's uh, uh when when you watch the presser uh of course there's going to be an interim ad uh and there's been been a search committee uh, excuse me, a search firm, the same firm that did the search for Brett Yormark uh, to as the uh, commissioner of the Big 12. Uh, that's the firm that's going to take the task over the next three to four weeks. And they said, look, that's not etched in stone, but we just got a pretty good sense that we're going to act thoughtfully but swiftly uh, over the course of the next three to four weeks to come up with the best candidate for the best fit. Okay. Uh, now, uh, it's it's interesting in that, you know, Shane, uh, over the course of the last handful of years has been very active on multiple committees. You know, he's had a pretty good reputation among his peers, I should say, Mm -hmm. whether it's Mm -hmm. the competition committee or on down the line. So he's been very involved and very active. Uh, But I think what it comes down to is to some extent, the reality of it is uh, ADs are going to be tied 
to the success or lack thereof to their football program. That's 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 the modern day reality of it. I mean, even if you're at Kansas, Kansas football makes more than Kansas basketball. Uh, Kentucky football makes more than Kentucky basketball. Uh, Duke on down the line. That's just the nature of the modern sports business. So if there are hiccups on that front, then of course, what keeps coming up uh, is the extension. The extension was granted at a time. I'm sure Shane looked at it like, hey, I'm trying to stay ahead of the curve and beat the market. Uh, I see some positive things over the first couple of years in this rebuild process, but at the time, Neil was 11 and 11, and uh, that's when the extension took place. So uh, the, the questions that will arrive from, arise from this are many, and nobody has the answers to any of these questions, okay? I mean, I, I should have prefaced this all by saying I've never been, nor do I aspire to be, in the breaking news business. <laughs> that, that's not my job, okay? Okay. Uh, there, there are things all the time that I'm told that I'm privy to. I'm not saying this is one of them. That's not what I'm suggesting, that I'm not about to run out and make news out of it. That's not my job. That's not my role in this world. Let, let that fall to others. And that is their job. That's, that's the hat they wear and many of them wear it well. Okay. So what I do is just react to these things as they unfold, as they play out. And uh, my reaction to this is, okay, well, let's see what that, that uh, search firm uh, puts together. I mean, there's going to be some names come up just because of association with West Virginia. Uh, now, one of the names that I would imagine would come up early and often would be Kelly Zinn. Uh, she's a name that's near and dear to, to those in, in West Virginia Athletic Administration. She's recognized as an up-and-comer. She recently, and I mean recently, left uh, to join the administration at LSU. Matter of fact, it was just a few weeks ago that, uh, that Nate left. Again, this is just me reading the tea leaves. I don't have, this is an inside baseball, okay? That's not what I do at all, okay? Uh, just because of her association, I would say that name's going to come up. I would say Whit Babcock, again, because of an association. Rob Mullen at Oregon, again, because yep. of an association. The association being not with West Virginia, but he's a Morgantown guy more so than anything is what I'm saying. But, but uh, so uh, to suggest that we know more than that uh, will be misleading. Uh, another question is going to be, uh, what does that mean for the future of, of Neil and the football staff? Well, again, there's nothing to suggest that I know uh, that it means necessarily anything uh, outside. All I know is what was reported and what was reported and what was stated again by the interim AD was that this is independent of the football program. That will be a different evaluation that's done independently of anything that played out in the AD's office. So, I mean, let's take a look at that. There will be a new AD in town. Okay. And uh, whoever that AD turns out to be, there are a bunch of different ways of looking at that. But one of the things I always look at when it comes to a new AD, uh, again, ADs are judged in large measure by the success or failure of not just the football team, but the football coach that the that hires. AD hires. Yep, the hires yes. you make. So yep. technically, their clock doesn't really, in some ways, again, this is way above my pay grade, but historically it might suggest that their clock doesn't start ticking until they hire their coach. Okay. So if you have a puncher's chance to retain whatever coach you inherit, you're of course going to explore that possibility and say, Hey, unless this thing's just completely sideways and out of sorts, uh, I, I want to hear this out and see where this program stands foundationally. What kind of strength do you have? How's it going within the building? How's it going in recruiting? And then, okay, if, if you're not getting the wins on the field, how close are you to getting the wins? And why aren't you getting them? I mean, these are the types of questions uh, 
that you think that that would be explored but this is just us surmising this yeah i mean what we know is what was reported and that is shane is going to be moving on shane will be will have a replacement sometime it sounds pretty quickly sometime in the next three to four weeks or so uh and then an independent appraisal will be made of the football program and all down the line, not just the football program, but every other department. Right. And, and uh, so, I mean, all I know is West Virginia came out uh, against Oklahoma uh, against the Oklahoma team with a whole bunch of good football players, five and four or not. And they played hard for their staff. That's what I saw. So uh, beyond that, I don't know. I don't know what they do against Kansas State. I don't know what they do to finish the regular season against Oklahoma State. <clears throat> I know that they played hard for the balance of four quarters for their staff. That wasn't a team that had quit on their staff and quit on each other. That's what I saw. Uh, now, again, for me, Owen, to add anything beyond that would be just filling in the blanks with my imagination. And uh, maybe to some extent we can do that, but I'm not in the breaking news business. I can't emphasize that enough. I don't want that job at all, okay? Uh, and a lot of times when people tell me things, they recognize that's not my role, and that's why I'm told things. Uh, so uh, we have people that do that job and do it well. Uh, let them do it. And you mentioned Metro News. Well, right there, they're on that list. The Hoppy Kirchels of the world are on that list. That's their job, and, and Hoppy does it well. So... Uh, that's my take on it. Now, uh, let's sit back and look, I'm going to support whatever ends up happening uh, to move us ahead as a program. And so I'm going to get behind whoever the new AD is. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to start questioning the new AD the first time something goes afoul. I, I, I'm not going to suggest that new AD needs replaced with another AD. I'm going to get behind the AD. It's not my choice to decide when they need replaced and when they don't. Uh, and I'm going to do what I can to support them and help them out. I mean, that's what I'm going to try and do. But, Owen, what are your overarching thoughts on what played out or what broke today? Um, well, obviously, university is looking to, um, you know, make some changes. Uh, you know, for whatever reasons those are, Um this is the modern era. Uh, I don't know if they're looking for what they're looking for. Like you said, I can't really fill in the blanks. I'm, I'm not in those meetings. I'm not privy to that information uh, as much as maybe someone like yourself is be just because you're in the hallways and you can hear the, uh, you know, conversations or, or, or you're fortunate enough to be involved in any, but um, you know, I think they're just, they've decided to make a change. Uh, I, I think maybe if you look at the um, the athletic program since 2015, it's maybe not where they want to be uh, at this point in time. That, that's that's just me looking from the outside in. I don't know if that's true or not or, or what's up, but they've uh, they've made a decision. Uh, kind of crazy after a, 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 you know, like you said, a solid win um, against an Oklahoma team that might be struggling, but still a big win for us, uh, especially at home. We haven't beat those guys in a while. So, and uh, Wesley and I were there yes. in color. Well, that's why we have. That's why we won. We had a couple. Yep. Two, I mean, two and zero. Oh, when you hit on something. Oh, when you hit on they, something. 
and that is it's been mentioned okay and this is this is out in the open that uh part of the consideration could be as the game and the sport and the climate changes brett yormark is very unlike any of his predecessors right i mean when you look at at his pedigree and his background he's he's not from the conventional athletic administration mold right so maybe that's what you're looking for in the ad seat maybe a more contemporary approach to things uh this is what has been suggested and that could be a consideration somebody that uh really has a mastery if there is such a thing over this nil landscape okay and different ways to get creative uh from an nil standpoint from a portal standpoint whatever that might be now what's interesting to me it's one thing to say let's get creative and you're at tcu where you have enough people to cut checks and build you a 400 million dollar renovation without blinking okay or at baylor where you have all that private oil money it's one thing to get creative there and say hey can we get creative enough to blow our skirt up and say, hey, instead of spending all those billions you got over there, come spend your billions here. Well, it's a different challenge here because those billions don't necessarily exist in the abundance here in any way that they do at some of those other places. So you really got to think further outside the box. Now, what does that mean? What does that lead to? I don't know. Uh, but maybe that is the point. Maybe somebody can bring some fresh ideas to the table. Uh, and explore some outside the box approaches. But when you said that, Owen, that's what made me think of that. That's part of what I left out of the discussion. Uh, that seems to be part of the consideration. Who has some level of mastery over what's played? Let's face it, this is a much different college sport, uh, football, basketball, doesn't matter, than it was three years ago, two years ago. It's much different. It's changed that much in just a short time. So, Maybe what they're looking for is somebody with a with more of a mastery over all the changes in recent times, whether it's the litigation that has left us where we are. Okay, how do you respond to that? How do you best position yourself against your peers that might have more money, more resources? Well, how do you find a competitive edge with against people with more money? Again, in this climate, can you find a way to think outside the box uh, from an NIL standpoint or otherwise? to maybe give us some kind of advantage that we otherwise wouldn't have. And don't you think guys, that's, that's part of what they're looking at Wes? Yes. hundred percent. And I wonder how much of this too, now that we're on the topic, let's, let's go here. We might as well. We ain't got nothing but time, right? Um, Shane Lyons, I think did a really great job from a facility standpoint, you know, the, the climbing higher campaign, a lot of that will be his legacy. But as I'm thinking about this and we're going through it here for the first 15 minutes or so of the show, spent a lot of money to renovate the concourse at the football stadium. A lot of money to renovate the concourses at the Coliseum for basketball. A lot of money on Olympic sports facilities. Those are all decisions that benefit the student athlete. And that is important. And Shane deserves credit for that. But those are also a lot of decisions that don't give you a ton of ROI. Right? Expanding the concourses at the Coliseum is is great for me, Joe Schmo, when I'm showing up there on a Saturday yeah. to go to the game. Yeah. But maybe that money should have been built on luxury seating or renovations that bring you more money in. The the expanded concourses at Milan Pushkar Stadium are great. It doesn't take me 20 minutes to take a piss anymore in the second quarter. It takes me three minutes and I'm back in my seat. Yeah, that doesn't make the university any money. So I wonder if part and and again, it's 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 never just one thing, as you've laid out correctly. Yes, at at every major university in this country. 
99% of them, at least, the athletic director's job is directly tied to the success of the football program. Let me, let me ask go, you a question. I want hand you to continue with. Let me ask you this and then just keep rolling with it. Do you think that's because there's not the demand for those suites? Well, that, now that's, saying, hey, I got a bunch of money and I'm looking to spend it. Now, that's a fair point, but here's where I would answer that to you. When you look at yeah. some of these, like we were just talking about the, the Zins in LSU, right? So let's, let's, let's stay there in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. When LSU plays UAB, it, it's not 93,000 people at Death Valley and every, every seat in the upper deck is taken. It's not. But the money that you get from those, those people who buy suites, those luxury suites, makes up for that loss. So I, part of me, I've always wondered this because when I was growing up, I just, I was like, why don't, why don't we expand Mountaineer Field? Why don't we expand Mountaineer Field? Why don't we go to 70K? Because you can make more money with 50,000 seats and luxury suites than right. you can with 65,000 seats and no luxury suites. Amon G. Carter in, at Fort Worth and TCU, it seats 40 some odd thousand. Uh, you know, when you but go you get to, those, um, you get those big yeah. money. And, I, and I'll tell you this. Places like Michigan, places like Penn State, LSU that we, you know, we perceive as a lot of money in these things. When, when they play Akron, when they play UAB, all those luxury suites aren't full. They're not. It's, 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 it's not the same as when they're playing, you know, Alabama or sure. Michigan or Ohio State or whatever. But yeah. again, that, that's where a lot of these universities have gone in terms of that. Hell, I just mentioned I was at the Peterson Events Center, right? Pitt's basketball facility Friday night to watch us whoop that Panther ass, baby. <laughs> And they completely, two, three years ago, that right before COVID, they completely renovated their entire facility there to add more luxury suites. That's what it was all about. Took away like a couple thousand seats, but added more luxury suites. Um, and you know I another way, like, Wes? Just real quick, just real quick. Ahead, I, ahead, I, ahead. I feel like for decades, people have been crying out for something like that at the football stadium. Suites on the other side or a redid press box that has more. That. People have been crying out for that at the Coliseum forever. It's an older facility. They both are. And I know that those things are hard, just, you know, it's, it's much easier said than done. Um, but I wonder if maybe that's part of the conversation too, that he's done great for facilities and he's done great for fundraising in that regard. But the university yeah. has thrown a lot of money around in the last five years, and there hasn't been a ton of ROI in that investment. And the, the ROI portion, you just made me think of two things. First of all, I think it was provident on Shane's part. It, it appeared when we spent that money. That's when we first started cashing these big 12 checks. Okay, So we were looking ahead, and it looked like the stability of the big 12 with the brands of Oklahoma and Texas were there in perpetuity. Nobody was Great suggesting. Point. Great okay. Point. At that time, hey, it's so crazy, they're going to leave tomorrow. Now, it's easy for us to suggest that now. Didn't seem like it at the time. So it looked like those checks would keep coming and coming and coming and coming. And even then, he's like, nope, we're taking our first checks, and here's what we're doing with it. We're reinvesting in the product. We're putting it back into the stadium and the facility. If cranes are up, that shows recruits that the arm race is being waged. Now, I remember the first time we went to McLean Stadium at Baylor uh, because we, the last, we only played it at Floyd Casey Stadium once and that was in 2013 that got was our asses hole. handed to us that was a hole guys i mean that was a hole i mean that place was uh embarrassingly it was embarrassingly rough okay uh now for as bad as that was mclean is the taj mahal i mean it's just a gorgeous beautiful place right on the brazos okay i was mispronounced the brazos and brazos and brizos but but a uh, beautiful spot i remember when i first saw the, the artist renditions i thought good luck capturing that and then when I showed up the first time for the game in 2015, I was like, oh, they captured that. Wow. And uh, but I remember we were given we, we, we it was an early kick that day and the broadcast team, you know how this is, Wes, for early kicks. I'm saying noon here, 11 o'clock there. 
So we were on the air at 7.30, I think that day. So we showed up at like 6, 6.30. So we're making our way through the bowels of the stadium up to the press level. And we were walking by. This is the first time we've been in that new, new stadium at McLean. And so we're making our way down through the corridors. And we walked by the Baylor locker room. And so we saw a member of the security staff, the ground crew. And we said, hey, can we get in there and look? And they, they, he snuck us into the Baylor locker room. We're like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, it was just this most immaculate thing I'd ever seen. There was a light from heaven individually shining down every locker. I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous, okay? So then we continued down the hall and we see these just immaculate luxury suites built in the one corner of the end zone, okay? Just above field level, just these beautiful suites. And I said, what oil tycoon buys those? And they said, no, 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 those are for recruits. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. We're competing against this. Mm -hmm. And so that's an ROI. So if you want to invest mm -hmm. in facility upgrades, to your point, now, granted, I'll say this. For the first time in my life, when you talk to people on the re in recruiting circles, on the recruiting trail, not only is West Virginia's or West Virginia's facilities not a deal breaker, because in the past, there's oftentimes they were. Eh, I like West Virginia. I like what they're doing. I like their vision, but their facilities just aren't up to snuff. They're bottom third or whatever of the league, whatever league we were in. Well, now, sometimes they're actually an advantage. Not, not only are they not a deal breaker, which at West Virginia, I always thought, if you can just get them to not be a deal breaker, okay, that's almost enough, and then just out recruit people. But sometimes when you talk to some of these kids who are touring other facilities, I mean, some of these kids will tell you, hey, I've been to Notre Dame and here and there, and these are the best facilities I've seen so far. Now, that's the first time I've ever heard that. But of course, that's a very dynamic, transitory thing that changes constantly. So you better keep it up, right, Owen? Yeah, I, I would say this about the facilities. I've been fortunate enough to be able to tour the facilities, and they are out of this world, absolutely, mm -hmm. as a student athlete. To Wes's point, um, now, got to go to the game with Wes, like I was saying. I love those seats, but to his point, I'd like to see those maybe closed up where you could still open them up, but maybe take the back two rows out of there, put in like, you know, a little more private deal. I mean, you could easily charge, I don't know how much you're, you're paying for them now, Wes, but I'm sure you would pay probably double for them if it was that nice. You know what I mean? If you had... Uh, it, just in my opinion, sure. um, yeah. uh, to, you know, and that's just obviously minor stuff, but facilities wise, as far as a, a, an athlete uh, out of this world, yeah. I mean, out of this world, absolutely. Um, the, the upgrades to the, to the stadium, the concourses, like you, you all were talking. Mm -hmm. Now, when I came here, uh, touchdown terrace hadn't been completed yet. It had com it was completed like the next year after I was there. Um, I, I've I've had the pleasure of uh, frequenting those as well, <laughs> and they are uh, stunning too. Um, and I know there's a there's a hefty price tag on those. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's hard to say, um, you know where where y'all get it from. But as far as if I'm a modern day athlete wanting to come or 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 you know rec being recruited to to west virginia and coming here i'm definitely not going to be upset about um the facilities that west virginia has to offer in I mean, my I opinion even... i mean and i've gotten to see i've gotten to see basketball facilities 
I yeah. mean, they which are absolutely. I mean, they got that tor- like TV tornado thing when you walk in. It's like yeah. crazy looking. I mean, it's like, and then you go into Hugs' office area. It, it's got like a private balcony looking over the court. I mean, the, the facilities are top notch. And and they and they need to upgrade some stuff like, uh, you know, uh, uh, like track the track stuff, like the track and field portion of yeah. things. That you know that stuff we still need to upgrade and. And there's some how much baseball's to, changed. Yeah, oh, and baseball's yeah. got a brand new facility. Up no, and on think the about it. I don't, I don't think a, people appreciate Owen. I, I'm sure you do because you and I both spent so much time in the old locker room. Oh, I mean, it's when archaic. they first opened I mean, that new locker archaic, room, but it you can't yeah. describe to people how different. I mean, it, it took me a year to find my way around the building, and I'm in there all the time. <laughs> I was getting lost for a year. I mean, even in the locker room, the locker room was so different. You're like, how did they do this with this one? But yeah, I, I could see what you're saying, Owen. I mean, it's going to, there's, there's a lot of flash and pizzazz to it. If you're a recruit and it's resonated on the recruiting trail. So, but you got to continue that arms race. And to West, to your point now, again, if there's a market for people willing to spend more money, uh, let's, let's pretend there is, maybe there is to some extent. Uh, I think there are, I think there always is. And I know, you know, I know we don't have, we don't have TCU money. We don't have Baylor money, but there's, there's always people out there that are willing to spend. Yeah. How do you create a market? There's little little upgrades though. You know what I mean? If you look at the stadium back uh, just even when I played just the visuals of the video boards that are, are placed like underneath the first deck and what they've done to finish off the lower bowl with yeah. uh, video boards and just banners. I mean, just the looks of everything that's come together. They've, they really built that up. What they've done on the outside of the stadium with some of the, uh, you know, side, like the kind of modern siding they've done and stuff yeah. in, the, in the front, what they've done with it. In, in my opinion, it's, it's all been great um, upgrades. Yeah. It's just, you know, and like to, to Wes's point about it doesn't have to be a major upgrade to those mid-level suites, but it'd be nice to have still that that little bit of upper echelon. You know, you're still getting a good bang for your buck there uh, and bringing in maybe double the revenue of yeah, what you what normally get. That's what I think. When I first heard, you know, for example, that, you, that TCU had spent $400 million to renovate. My first reaction was, well, you don't spend $400 million to lose money, right? Correct. Yeah, correct. So how much are you making if you're spending correct. $400 million? <laughs> yeah, I mean, holy cow. You know? And Jed, you know what? Now that, again, that we're, that we're kind of hashing this all out here, I'm not, this is another, I'm not breaking any news here. I'm not saying I know anything. I'm just spitballing. I wonder if maybe some of those important people that are in that meeting, Board of Governors on down the list who yeah. decided Shane Lyon's fate, if they're sitting there and they're looking and they're saying, all right, Shane spent X, Y, and Z money on all this for the student athletes, and that's helped recruiting, and that's great. But he also gave Neil Brown this extension that is biting us in the ass right now. And maybe if we invested some of that money into money-making ventures, we'd be able to pay Neil Brown's buyout. Or you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, that's I think that you know I think that there's a possibility that maybe that was part of the discussion too that. Not that the athletic department is struggling and that they're about to go bankrupt or anything like that, but maybe they're thinking, hey, if some of these decisions over the last five years have been made differently, maybe we'd be a little bit more flush oh, with cash right now, too. and we'd be able to to make some, you know, some coaching staff decisions that we feel like we're handcuffed with. Twenty twenty changed a lot of things. Yeah, 
because a lot of athletic departments took major hits in the COVID year, major hits in the COVID year. And I don't think people understand or appreciate just to the extent these, a lot of athletic departments at the power five level uh, have been tasked with overcoming that. But uh, uh, yeah, like I said, what we know is we're going to be looking for a new AD. And I yep. would say by the holidays, it sounds like we'll have one. Uh, Crazy, also by know, the way. Yeah, well, that'll be good. That'll be Crazy. good timing for us because we'll need we'll need some stuff to talk about Content. then once football's yeah. over. <laughs> so what we also three know, four weeks though to replace that in my mind is just like uh, uh, why uh, why so quick I guess or is that is it have to be that quick? I think they decided I mean, that but that was disgusting. I, like it kind of seems like it's already Not been. To- and it's, you know oh, and that's funny. That's exactly that. The first thing I thought when I saw that was, okay, well, they've already got a short list. Like, yeah, well, you you maybe it's, the whole, list. it's the you whole, you, you don't, list. you don't, you don't, you don't dump, you don't dump your, well, a really short list, not like a, they, they can hire this search firm and they can, we're going to do a national search, but that might all just be optics. I mean, you guys know, as well as I do, that's the reality. I'll put you like have, this. They could have three AD names, hey. have three hey, names hey. but they'll still say every AD I know has a short list every day of their life. Correct. So why wouldn't those above the AD have the same Correct. Right? Correct. Yeah. They bring exactly. in Rob Mullins. That's what's up. <laughs> Come on, Robbie. Well, he has a connection to West Virginia. Rob so I hear you have Rob Mullins. That's what will be fascinating. Again, what do we know? Leaving a place that has more money than <laughs> that's what I'm but, but to come to a place but, with less money than any. But 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 Shane Lyons was making 150k more a year than Rob Mullins was. I'm just saying on paper. Well, <laughs> yeah, okay. hey, on paper. you're right. You're did, right. Did Shane Lyons nine, have access to the 900, 900, 950,000 a year Wes, versus, versus 1.1. Wes, did Shane Lyons have access to the Nike private jet? Yeah. Phil Knight's not going to live forever. Other things Phil Knight's not going to live forever. Come on. All right. Well, there's a half an hour on Shea Lyons to get us started here on the, on the, on the we, OU We review. know he's going to be replaced. We know that football is completely independent of that from an evaluation standpoint. And anything beyond that, whether you hear it here or elsewhere, is speculation. So. And obviously, we'll continue to discuss this over the next three or four weeks and longer as it plays out. A couple more quick hitter headlines here. Uh, we've got final kickoff times announced. Kansas State this weekend. Of course, we will have the, the KSU preview episode for you here in a couple days. That'll be 2 p.m. I ah, I love it. That's a perfect time for a kickoff, if you ask me. And then uh, Jed's happy. Final game uh-huh. of the season. The trip, to, the trip to Stillwater. Jed finally got his road noon game, baby. Yes. As, 11 uh, o'clock Stillwater time. Yeah. As what is is this past uh, this past Saturday, West Virginia got its first win against the state of Oklahoma in like six years, seven years. Well, we'll look to double that. We'll look to double that up uh, here yeah. in a couple weeks at at, at yeah. noon, eleven o'clock local there in Stillwater. Speaking of Kansas State, Jed quickly sounds like they could have some significant absences this weekend. Yeah, not only are they going to be missing a starting safety, but it sounds like Adrian Martinez will be out for multiple weeks. Of course, it's been slowly but certainly recognized. This is Will Howard's team as of late anyway. but uh, So it's not like they're going to be shorthanded. But but uh, Adrian Martinez, hate to see his, his regular season end up like that, but it appears that's been the case because he got dinged up uh, in the win at Baylor. But uh, but so it'll be a Will Howard kind of day, uh, which we've seen Will Howard before. It won't be the first time. So certainly something to keep an eye on as the, uh, as the week goes along here. 
Uh, this is another one. Final headline here. This is another one of those. There's no easy way to transition. There's no smooth transition into a topic like this, but we just wanted to make sure uh, our thoughts, our prayers, heavy hearts uh, in Charlottesville with the University of Virginia football program. Tragic situation there. Uh, three of their players, two wide receivers and a linebacker uh, being murdered. And I, I believe was it the it was the wee hours of Monday morning, correct? By a former player. I don't know. The By a former player. Here's what I know, Wes. A dear friend it's of tragic. mine. tragic. A dear friend of mine coached two of those kids, two of the victims, last year. Uh, so it's it's tough on him, obviously, but it's tough on everybody involved. It's it's a football-related story. That's why we're bringing it up. But uh, just a, a terrible, terrible tragedy. But Yeah. There's there's but, really not much else to say no, other than not. that. Um, and that, again, our, our, our thoughts and prayers with all the – all the who's uh, in Charlottesville and uh, into the families of the victims as well, too. Um, finally here, as we, uh, as we wrap up this opening segment, we do have a poll on our Twitter page. Of course, you can get involved with these at in the gun podcast on Twitter. This poll, this poll uh, brought to you by our friends at Toothman Ford. We'll pull up the graphic now with the results. We asked you which press, uh, which part, pardon me, of West Virginia's win over Oklahoma was the most impressive? Garrett Green running away with this one uh, in his 257 yards. Uh, but in a a substantial second, a clear-cut second place, I should say, uh, holding Oklahoma to one of 11 on third down comes in second. Um, that was the one that I voted for. Because, which, by the way, is the lowest percentage we've held a Big 12 opponent since joining the league in 2012. Yes. 9.1%. Yes. That's pretty impressive. If if you would have told me, hey, guys, we're going to hold Oklahoma's offense to 18 points, which we did because mm -hmm. those two points came on the return, mm -hmm. I just said, I like our chances. That's, that's the same. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly my same my same thought process. I know Garrett Green. We'll talk about Garrett Green, and he deserves a lot of credit and, and good for him, and that was outstanding. But, yeah, mm -hmm. you, hold, you hold Oklahoma to 18 points. That's uh, that's not something that you get to say every day. Absolutely. Uh, no doubt about that one. We're going to take a break here. When we come back on the other side, we will start to get into all of our uh, usual shenanigans here. We'll take a look at our projections and our predictions when we return. You are in the gun. I'm talking with J.R. Toothman of Toothman Ford. J.R., everybody knows a lot of pro athletes buy from you. What's the secret? Just like Will Greer, future Hall of Famer Frank Gore, James Washington, and many more pros, these guys have financial advisors that are always looking out for them to save time and money, and that's why they always shop at Toothman Ford. And what if you're like us regular folks that don't have people giving us advice? You don't need a financial advisor. Toothman Ford will save you time and money no matter who you are. Plus, we'll buy your car even if you don't buy from us. Visit ToothmanFord.com and get a quick, instant cash offer. That sounds like a score to me. That's right. And as always, we'll take anything in trade from chicken wings to Super Bowl rings. Toothman Ford's got a lot of fans. Here's another one. Dallas Cowboys QB, Will Greer. This is Will Greer, former West Virginia and current NFL quarterback. And cars really do cost less than Grafton at Toothman Ford. That's a fact, Will. Thanks. You can shop online anytime at ToothmanFord.com. Let's go, Mountaineer fans. You're tuned in to In the Gun with Wes, the runaway beer truck, and the signal caller. Back in the gun here, episode 26. It's time to take a look at the projections and the predictions we make on all of our preview shows. 
Of course, we take a look at the top 25 every single week, revisit our score projections and see how close they are. Jed, we'll pull up the graphic now. How do we do in the top 25? The playoff ranking, we had three games. Our projection based on point spread was Alabama 38-24 over Ole Miss. As you can see on the right, the actual score, if you're watching at least, as you, uh, the actual score was Alabama 34, 30 to 24, <clears throat> excuse me, holding on against Ole Miss. Uh, we had Washington uh, and Oregon. We projected a 42-28 Oregon win as they were heavy favorites, 13 and a half. Uh, don't look now, Washington pulls the upset and Eugene 37-34, the, the fighting Michael Penixes, right? Uh, so big win for Washington. Uh, UCF Tulane, little group of five action. Uh, we projected a 28-27 Tulane win over UCF. Uh, it was supposed to be a tight one. It uh, was a tight one, but UCF won the game 38-31 um, was the actual score. I'd close out with this. If you guys haven't seen, I was telling Wes off air, Lane Kiffin's remarks from his presser this week uh, <laughs> following the loss to Alabama. Uh, more specifically, he was saying, look, I don't want to hear about yards and this and that. We were supposed to win and we didn't. But covering the spread, we were supposed to win and we didn't. But what happened was he found a clever way to interject uh, some criticism of the officials because – I don't know if you know the backstory, but Alabama was roughing up Jackson Dart, Ole Miss's quarterback, pretty good. And uh, and a lot of Ole Miss fans were, were upset about it, rightly so. So he said, look, his, his mom called me, and I apologized to his mom, and she couldn't understand why if her son, Jackson Dart, played for a different team in the same conference, why he would be more protected playing for that team than he is playing for your team. And he said, now you can't find me because that's not me saying it, that's her saying it. So I don't want to get fined today. I and I was like, it. so – you know, the creative Lane Kiffin finds a way, you know. Of course. Sounds like me after every time we play Oklahoma or Texas. Jed, we also uh, project games across the Big 12 Conference. We're getting mm -hmm. closer and closer here to, uh, to shaking this thing down and having our two participants in the Big 12 Championship game. What was the, uh, what was the moving and shaking like on Saturday as we pull up this graphic? All right, pull it up starting with Iowa State at Oklahoma State. We projected a narrow Iowa State win, 24-23, based on the point spread and the numbers. Uh, turns out Oklahoma State was Spencer Sanders in the fourth quarter, coming off the bench in relief of Mike Gundy's son. Okay, leads them on the game-winning drive. They win 20-14. Uh, K-State on the road at Baylor. Baylor was a field goal favorite in this game. We projected a 28-24 win by the Bears because they've been rolling three straight since losing to West Virginia. Kansas State went into Waco and bombed the Baylor Bears 31 to 3. K State is rolling. We'll obviously get into that a lot more later on. Kansas on the road at Texas Tech. We projected a 35 31 Texas Tech win based on the spread. Texas Tech won 43 28. And finally, TCU uh, and Texas in the Gary Patterson Bowl. A game we projected <laughs> Texas to win 35 28. In honor of Gary Patterson, the actual score at halftime was three to nothing, okay? And don't look now, but this TCU defense that was so maligned smothered, smothered that Steve Sarkeesian coached Texas offense at DKR. Texas didn't score an offensive touchdown. Uh, they had no answers for what the TCU defense was doing. If only had Texas had played offense against TCU like West Virginia, they might have won the game. But uh, I'll tell you what, that TCU defense stepped it up because it sure wasn't the Horn Frogs offense getting the job done, as we'll get into here in just a minute. 
but 17 to 10, they found a way to go on the road, remain unbeaten, go to 10 and 0. And they just survive in advance, guys. Yes, they do. And all of a sudden, they're fourth in the AP poll. We'll see when the college football playoff yep. rankings come out. But TCU, they've got themselves in a good position here uh, with just a couple weeks to go. So those are our projections. We also make predictions every week. Uh, not no, our we best. Don't. No, we don't. Not We're our... going to break here. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, let's go ahead and go to break. Uh <laughs> Well, now hold on. You had the you had the uh, well. That's not true. I guess Owen had the best showing of all. Of us. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it wasn't me. Uh, let's Jed, Jed, it. yeah, let's Come jump on. into it. We'll pull up the graphic now. Jed, signal caller of the week, where he predicts which quarterback will throw for the most yards. Uh, Jed, the struggles continue. You know, come on, Max Duggan, <laughs> one hundred and twenty-four yards. I pulled an Owen here. I went zero. Come on, I mean, you know, what are you doing? I he finishes ninth. And you know, as bad as it was, it could have been worse because you know what my plan B was? JT. JT Daniels. Yes. Remember? I discussed it last but week. I expected JT did. to bounce back. Well, JT didn't bounce back, but and and Max Duggan really didn't need to do much against Texas the way that defense was playing. I did not see this type of game coming, but Hunter Deckers throws for the most yards in the entire Big 12. This is the kind of week it was, guys. He led all Big 12 passers with 274 yards for Iowa State. That was the most in the entire Big 12. Six years ago, that would have sounded sacrilegious, right? 274 <laughs> yards top the Big 12. Yeah. Jason Bean for Kansas, number two at 270. Tyler Shuck at 246 for Texas Tech. Not a lot of big days throwing the football, but Max Duggan, 124 yards, number nine. So, anyway, I get a big zero. I didn't even get my weekly single or double. Well, I tell you what, though. Big big Owen Schmidt, he's starting to separate a little bit there from you, Jed, as we pull up the graphic now for the runaway beer truck where Owen tells us which – running back in the conference will rush for the most yards and Owen, you know, a wise man once said, if you ain't first, you're last, but I tell you what, second, second here, you did pretty good. Devin Neal, a little redemption. Little redemption for, for, uh, Devin here. Um, Eric Gray obviously comes out on top two eleven against the Mountaineers. Um, that's bittersweet a little bit. Um, uh, but, uh, my boy, Devin, you know, just give him the carries, sir. Okay. Well, I give I, I him, say, give him the days, push. One of these days, Owen, and I said this during break, we're going to have to get together and write a romantic comedy about you and Devin Neal because it's a very complicated relationship the two of you have. Dude, so I think listen, you guys are going to get together, break out a six pack, and just sort through this. I mean, it's uh, can we get Devin Neal on as a guest in the office? We should, we need Wes, to add that to the list. Wes, add that to the list. No, but hey, listen, coming in, he, I mean, an absolute stud is a, has a great freshman year. You know, you think he's going to be more involved. Kansas starts out hot. Uh, Jalen Daniels is an absolute beast, ends up getting hurt. Still, Devin's kind of in the, in, um, you know, on the back burner a little bit. And now they're starting to tote him, tote him a little bit. I mean, you got to give him some carries. I don't know what was going on. You know what I mean? With the play calling or, or why he wasn't getting the touches he wasn't getting, but I, I saw the spark. Okay. 
and now they're giving him a little, you know, they're letting him tote the pill, man, and he's doing his thing. Four points. Well, he's well, not Jed. dead to me yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, as Jed mentioned, it was a heck of a week for defense, heck of a year for defense across the, across the conference, honestly. I mean, what is this, yeah, the SEC? Yeah. I tell you what. Uh, defense of the week where I predict which defense will give up the least amount of points. We'll pull up the graphic right now. You'll see uh tie for fifth place. So I'll take it. I'll get a point there. I guess that's like if Owen's hitting doubles off the wall, I guess I just, I drew a walk maybe there. Maybe, maybe I leaned into one and got hit by a pitch there or, or something. Um, but I went with Iowa state. They gave up 20 points to Oklahoma state, but I mean, look at this Kansas state gives up three. Uh, TCU gives up 10, Oklahoma state, 14, Texas, 10. I, I mean, there's just, there's some good defense being played across the conference. Um, and so Iowa state, you know, only giving up 20 points. That's, that's, that's certainly respectable. Um, but that only good enough for a, if that's, place a, walk. That's, if a yours walk. Is a walk and no one's is a double. Then I was on my you're way stri- out of the, out. Of the plate. And I tripped, yeah, buddy. You, you <laughs> and, even, uh, and the bat they, they, my crotch on the way down. I guess they, I, <laughs> they they called somebody else in, man. They pulled you. Yeah, they Jed, pulled they you. They brought to. somebody they else to. in. They went to they the pen. To. They said, "Give me, give me Vaughn." Yeah, yeah. give me Vaughn. <laughs> give me Vaughn, baby. Wow, thing. There we go. <laughs> We're gonna get wild when we come back on the other side because it's time to deep dive into the uh, the OU review. We had some some tough conversations in the first segment about athletic directors and the future of the program and tragedy at UVA. We didn't do so great in our, our predictions. At least Owen did, did pretty good, but Jed and I, not so much. When we come back here, we'll talk about the good is some of the bad. Cause there's always some of that too, but we'll discuss the first big 12 win for the Mountaineers over the Sooners. The first uh, victory for WVU against Oklahoma in Morgantown, the good, the bad, the pivotal moments, all that. When we return on the other side, you are. In the gun. For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyds of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations, with more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at InTheGunPodcast. Game day got you on the go? We get it. GoMart is here to keep you going all season long with stores throughout our home state. We're a proud West Virginia-owned company, and our friendly staff is committed to serving our communities. From fuel to freshly brewed coffee and snacks, a stop at GoMart to cover your game day needs is always a touchdown. Plus, GoMart Rewards members earn points with each purchase to redeem for discounts on gas and free items. So stop by, start saving, and stay on the go with GoMart. 
The Mountaineers finally take down the Sooners in dramatic fashion. It's time for a game recap here as the Mountaineers get it done against OU. First here, Jed, let's uh, let's look back at another what Vegas thinks we think we think. Our, uh, our projection that we made earlier, or I should say later in last week, versus the actual result. We'll pull up the graphic now. How did we do? Well, we projected based on the point spread. West Virginia was a heavy underdog, a 37 to 28 type score with, with Oklahoma winning. Uh, we were very happy to be wrong as West Virginia obviously won 23 to 20, as we all know. Yeah. And once again, I mean, we'll get to our pivotal moments here in a moment, but it was over the second Owen and I walked into the stadium together. I mean, two and oh, undefeated never lost. And once again, I ain't too proud to beg. All right. Whoever is the next athletic director of WVU, if you're listening to this, Owen and I are willing to travel. We just, we just need a stipend. We, we just need a stipend and we're willing to travel. So. (laughs) And it's a small stipend, honestly, it's a small stipend. Uh, I mean, I'd say what beer, uh, beer, pepperoni rolls, hotel hotel, airfare. Yeah. Well, bear in mind, we did switch the intangible I mean, last week based on his attendance and it worked out. It worked out. I mean, it, it could, we could, we could merely just hop on the team plane and it would That's cost true, you Jed. nothing then. You got two, you got two just, more seats for us on that plane, Jed. You oh, know, and then you have to, you'd have to when you're, the uh, overhead compartment. And then when you're talking about player rooms, I mean, we'll shack up together. There's no shame in that. Oh, heck I'm yeah. telling you right now, this is how bad this is. Yeah. Poor Angelica Trenone is stuck between me and Caridi. And we're all just like this. Uh, it's uh, I, oh, that poor gal. Talk about a rose between two thorns. I tell uh, you, <laughs> every flight, you know, every flight. I, I love, I love Angelica. Her and I graduated together. We had a bunch of a bunch of classes together. She's she's great, but uh, yeah, I tell you what, I don't envy her in that situation. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, let's get into it here, fellas. The good, the bad. Jed, it's a victory. It's a much-needed one. It's the first one over the Sooners since Owen ran wild on them boys and stumped a mud hole in their chest in 2008. So let's start with the good. And I got to imagine a certain uh, number six is high on the list. Yeah, he's high on the list. Uh, saw a lot of uh, exciting things out of Garrett Green. 257 total yards. Of course, the Big 12 honored him this week. He had three total touchdowns. Uh, He brought the energy and the spark that I think we needed as an offense. Uh, Again, uh, maybe more limited in terms of what you can throw at him, but he brings a different dimension. So there's a a, a tremendous upside to having the football in the hands of one of the more dynamic guys on the entire offense. I mean, whether he was playing slot, whether he was playing halfback, there's a reason that they were packaging things to try and find ways to get him on the field, even if it wasn't a quarterback. Uh, But when things are working out and he was behind center, all the better when things start uh, clicking the way they did. Uh, So obviously big things out of Garrett, Uh, as I said, energy. If I had to, to really describe him, in one word, that's what it is. It's always that way with Garrett. Energy. And uh, and that's what Looks he like he's us. having fun. He, yeah, he's having fun. There's tremendous energy. And, you know, the, the, that's that's how that room kind of picks each other up. It works out well. JT's, it, it's, it's not an injury thing. I, I just think he struggled with his confidence. He's playing like a guy who needs to recapture his confidence. And and it hasn't been there for a couple of weeks. And, and uh, obviously it has been there for Garrett. So, 
Uh, he picked, uh, picked up the slack, you know, grabbed the baton, whatever you want to say, and ran with it and gave us the shot in the arm that we needed. We talked about the uh, third down success. Well, guys, that wasn't just third down. That was uh, transition downs. Third and fourth down combined, Oklahoma was one of 13. Now, you can give up as many big plays as you want. If you're going to hold the other team to one for 13 on fourth down, you're going to win a whole bunch of football games. Yep. A whole bunch. If you give up big plays, so be it. If you're holding them, if you're dominating transition downs that way, wow, you're going to win a bunch of games. That is winning football on defense. I don't care about yards, big plays. There's a reason they had all those big plays and only scored 20 points, okay? One of 13 on third and fourth down is exceptional defense. Now, again, I will say this. uh, Owen, you and I to some extent talked about this. The weather impacted both offenses. There's no doubt in my mind. The, the weather helped us slow that Oklahoma offense down. They were far more one-dimensional than they normally are. I mean, that wasn't just bad weather. Guys, that was the wettest game I've covered at Mountaineer Field. Oh, it was. Pissing it just, rain. It didn't stop. I played in cold games. I've worked cold games, wet games, but it always eases up. It always does. As I'm telling you, when I was standing by the ball boys in the fourth quarter and I had them hand me the ball, I'm like, dude, you got to be kidding me. I mean, it's like, that's the best one we have left. And Oklahoma's playing with the same thing, which is why they were handing it off every play, because they didn't want Dylan Gabriel trying to throw that daggone slippery watermelon. So, But the defense stepped up, special teams. Not only did Sam James make the big kick return right before half to spark that touchdown drive, not only did he fake that punt, uh, but meanwhile, Oliver Straw keeps dropping dimes. We got the mm-hmm. game winner by Casey. And you know what? Here's what's funny about that fake punt, guys. You heard Neil and his presser say, look, we've had that in our pocket since Iowa State, but we didn't really have a situation in Iowa State, just the way the game unfolded to run it. Well, first of all, I talked to Sam about it after the, after the game, and he's like, Jed, I was supposed to throw that, but the whole defense dropped into coverage, and the only chance I had was to just tuck it and try and make a play, right? So that was all Sam. Well, what's interesting is I remember when I heard Neil say this in his presser about we've had that in our pocket for two weeks, dating back to Iowa State, guys at halftime, as I was getting ready to do my interview with Neil, uh, I kind of have my mic on mute. I got to tell our producer when Neil's ready, that's when I have Tony throw it to me. So I'm walking with Neil and the mic's not hot yet. And I haven't told him to throw it yet. So one of the analysts come up to Neil and guess what he said to him? This is right as we're going at halftime. He said, don't forget when we get near field, we have that fake. And I thought, wow, okay. So I didn't think twice about it. And so then I asked Neil, you ready? And I said, yeah, throw it, throw it, throw it. So then I heard Neil mention that in the presser, and I was like, well, I, I can attest to that. They certainly had it ready for Iowa State. It just didn't present itself. And, and I, I tell you what, you talk about a bold call. If that doesn't work, pinned inside your 40, ew, and it almost didn't work. Uh, but And then I, I, I'd close with this, guys, strong finish. Mm-hmm. Again, we won the fourth quarter 10 to nothing. This on no level, on no level, was a team that quit on their staff or quit on each other. This team has not quit, period. I don't care if they're blown out. I don't care if it's close. I don't care what things look like in a bad game or a good game. What you saw Saturday, this team has not quit. And that was very important to see that, the way they battled back, overcame adversity late in the third quarter, early into the fourth, and won the fourth quarter 10 to nothing. You don't have teams that quit, battle back, and do that. So that was very meaningful to me. But what else you guys got to add about the good? Big O. Yeah, I'd I'd say uh, I was impressed with the return game for sure. It was nice to see us 
get some explosive returns there, get, you know, get, you know, the 40, 50. Um, I don't know if we got to the 50, but I think we got a couple out to the 40. It was nice to see that. Um, there's something about a guy that is, is just hyped up to play. Mm-hmm. Um, when you see a guy so excited after he makes a play and after anyone else makes a play, it's got to get your motor running, right? And, and the spirit, um, in my opinion, of Garrett Green is just what is so exciting to watch. Um, and, and I want to throw this out here right, real quick, Jed. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of how we're built, right? Mm-hmm. Think of how we're built up front. Uh, we're not the biggest O-line, right? We're built for a zone scheme, right? Uh, we, we, uh, you know, as we mentioned here in the bat, and I won't, I won't say, bring that up yet until we get there, but we, we struggle, right? We struggle with giving time. Um, we run RPO, but with JT, we don't really have the threat of the run. So we're, we're kind of just, you know I mean? We're kind of it's not really working there. You know what I mean? Garrett, regardless, good or bad, he just gives us that dimension like you were speaking about to be able to really, in my opinion, fulfill what the offense is truly trying to do. Um, I, that's just my opinion. I'm not saying that I'm not taking anything away from JT because he's a stud in his own right. Um, I just feel, you know, and I, I have to get with my boy Pat White. He he tweeted, um, he tweeted it. out this week. You know we we you know we gave you the blueprint. Um, Garrett responded that. You, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As he should have. As yeah, as he sure. should have. Um, but that's that's kind of what I'm saying. I mean, that's gonna be us, right? That's just gonna be us. We've talked about this in other episodes. We have to have an athletic type quarterback. Um, I think if you know JT funny, could, some of the success he had in the run game was in gap scheme. We were running that's what I'm saying, counter. dude. Yeah, we were running that's quarterback counter. We didn't zone it. I mean, we mixed it up, but a lot of Garrett's success wasn't even in the zone scheme. They were gapping quarterback counter. But yeah. yeah. But what I'm saying is you're talking about angles there. Oh yeah, absolutely. When, when you when you, you know talk what? about running angles, you talk here's, about smaller alignment. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm one. saying. You made a good point. It's like not only is there something to be said for a guy that's high energy and it's infectious, right? But that's in stark contrast. Even when, even when JT's firing on all cylinders, that's not his style, right? Yeah. He's so it's much not, more yeah. low key, you know? So He's very poised, like, very poised. To some extent, there was an appetite for that that was just waiting to be fed, right? From yeah. the offense. And, and that's, they, they were really feeding off that energy from Garrett. Because, like I said, that's not JT's bag anyway. Even when things are clicking, I mean, he's a different kind of leader, right? But, but yeah, when when you look at it, here's what here's what Garrett can do: bring to the table that JT can't. If you want to zone read it, okay, then then he's a true threat. That now that five technique is held accountable, you know, because he's a true threat. That if that five technique doesn't honor the key, Garrett's taken off. Now JT can run an RPO and threaten a defense just by nature of. The RPO being, I'm either giving it to Tony Mathis or throwing behind you if you're dumb enough to drop a number yeah. in the box. I'm throwing yeah. it or handing to Tony. That's my RPO. That's where JT yeah. can hurt you. Where Garrett can hurt you is he can keep it 
and not even an RPO, even in a zone read scheme. Yeah, that's what I mean. You don't honor that keep. Yeah. yeah, 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 and it just opens up the playbook a little bit more. It just gives you that, like, like we were saying, that extra dimension. That yep. you know, at times, sometimes when you got to make plays happen, you look at that team that that uh, you know back in 2000, uh, 2004 to two thousand eight or 2005 to 2009, whatever with Pat, um, you know, sometimes the playbook doesn't work, you know, and plays need to be made. And it's nice to have a guy who can just make the plays with his feet um, when you got to get something going. Cause sometimes it gets, it just gets stale. It's not anybody's fault. It's not, the, it's not a play calling. It's not the players. It's just, sometimes you need a spark. And you and, know what? Uh, in my just opinion, like, he just provided that for us. Just like the situation that unfolded with Pat. Okay, I, th- I think there's a difference, and I'll get to it. Oh, and when you were playing with Pat that first year, okay, nobody was complaining he was splitting time with with Pidneric, right? I mean, basically, Pat would get in, and all you'd think nobody was clamoring for Pat to start. You didn't hear that from the fan base. You just thought, man, Pat's fast. That's all you ever heard. There was none of this. Why isn't he starting? He should be in there. Nobody was saying that. Because he let you know that he was ready when Benaric got hurt against Louisville. He showed you something that he hadn't showed in practice. He hadn't showed in the game. A new Pipe Pat White emerged. Okay? And you know what? If you try and force Pat White into a situation he's not ready for, if Rich tried to do that against Syracuse in the opener, you could ruin him. He wasn't ready for that. He lets you know when he's ready. And when it comes to Garrett, here's what I see. I think of situations last year, one stands out in, in more, more so than any other. He got extensive playing time against Baylor, and it frustrated the daylights out of me watching that tape against Baylor because it was almost like they were begging him to show them something to, to earn more time, okay? Hey, get in there and show us something. Show us you're more than what you've showed so far, and you'll get more time. And what was happening was they were putting him in situations. He had easy access throws. He had open guys in the quick game, and he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't trust his eyes. I'm like, why aren't you throwing that stick route? It's right in front of you. But instead, he's like, nope, I'm fast. I'm running. And he'd take off. Sometimes he'd get 11 yards. Sometimes it'd be a three-yard loss. I'm like, dude, run the offense. Throw the stick route. What are you doing? And he did that time after time after time. And I'm just like, you're not running the offense. You're just turning everything into backyard football. If you would run the offense with your skill set, wow, he wasn't ready, okay? Mm-hmm. So anytime you would insert him, those things would come up. You'd see the flash of the talent and the explosiveness, and he is dynamic. Like I said, when you're clocking 22 miles per hour on the GPS of practice, you're getting it. I mean, you're running faster than wideouts run. So you got to find ways to get creative with him. And the other thing, fast forward to this season. Okay, let's go past the spring. All three of those were given every opportunity, all three quarterbacks on campus for JT or I, whether it was Goose, whether it was Nico, or whether it was Garrett, they were all given a million opportunities to separate. A million. They were begging one of them to take the bull by the horns, saying, show us you're the guy. None of the three really did. It was even keel. It was kind of a dead heat. Nobody separated out of those three kids. So now let's fast forward into the summer. JT arrives. He gets on campus. You know what? I... Maybe you and I, you guys and I have discussed this. Maybe we haven't. There were significant portions. It was really until the pit game, okay, that I'd go to those scrimmages, okay? I'd watch the close practices, whatever it might be, okay? Watching all the reps in August, JT was struggling, okay? I was thinking, man, is he rough around the edges. 
he's really struggling. He looks like a guy that's rusty, needs to knock the rust off, and needs. To, he looks like a guy that hasn't played in this offense in almost two years, okay? And you were hoping he'd flip a switch, but all that being said, he's still easily, with all those reps, look like our best option. At no point during JT's struggles in August did Garrett take the bull by the horns and say, he might be struggling, but I'm not. That didn't happen. It didn't happen. So for all the concerns that I had with JT in August, I had more concerns with the rest of the room. I just saw athleticism coming out of Garrett. So here comes JT, flips the switch against Pitt and played well for the first four, six weeks, whatever it was. So all the while, Garrett's taking steps and making progress. So what you want to see, I want to see Garrett take that next step, okay? Now, the question is, does the next step come from this Oklahoma game, much like, much like Pat showed Rich? Hey, you know all those times in practice I wasn't showing you I was ready to be the guy yet? There's a reason nobody was clamoring for me to start yet. But now I'm ready. This Bidneric injury gave me an opportunity. I made the most of it. Now I'm showing you that I'm ready, and you won't ruin me by throwing you in there. Well, I want, hopefully, that's the situation coming out of this Oklahoma game because in some ways it was a perfect fit. I mean, Garrett, a big part of his game is going to be backyard football. It was the same with Major. It was the same with Garrett. I'm not comparing him to those guys. I'm just saying stylistically, that's kind of what their strength is, okay? Well, against Oklahoma, which was a very talented defensive team, but a wildly undisciplined defensive team. We talked all week how they all these TFLs, but they're last in the league against the run. They shoot gaps. They take chances. They don't have run integrity. So if you want to play backyard football, that's the type of defense you do it against. OK, so it was a fun matchup to see that play out and to see that unfold and to see that dimension that Garrett brings to the table. Wow, was it exciting? And it came at the perfect time. So all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden I'm watching practice reps. I watch Skelly. I watch inside. I watch all these things throughout the season. At no point was I thinking, what are you doing? You need to absolutely without question put Garrett. I haven't seen that. OK, we always knew what he could do at his best and what his skill set was. So now the question becomes, can he parlay what he did against Oklahoma with extensive reps, the most he's ever played, okay? Can he parlay that into taking that next step, much like Pat did with Louisville? Now, what that next step looks like, I'm not here to define that. I don't know what that looks like. If he gave us 50-some quality reps, I want 50-some more or 60 or wherever it might be. I'm not here to say, hey, do play one guy, don't play the other. I'm just saying, all right, that guy has shown he can bring strength and value to this offense. So you got to find a way to get him on the field. And a lot of times, even if it's predominantly behind center, that's what you got to find a way to do. Now, as we'll get into later in the week, a whole new test arises. For all the things Oklahoma wasn't in terms of lacking discipline and taking rolling the dice and taking their shots, Kansas State's the opposite fundamentally sound in incredible gap integrity. They're always going to be in the right spot. So you can't just backyard football against them. You have to do something within the confines of the offense. So can Garrett take that next step and bring those two worlds together? That's what I want to see. And does that mean playing them both? I don't know. I really have no idea, but I'll tell you this. Garrett has earned the right to play extensive football, not just at any position, but behind center. Well said. Amen to that. Um, one more, one more good here before we get into to some of the, the stuff that still needs cleaned up the fans who were there on Saturday. Oh yeah. I'm going to toot my own. I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit, but you know what? Uh, you read our tweets, our YouTube comments. I'm always called the voice of the fan here on the show. And I love that. That's exactly what I am. 50,000. Um, now I'm not going to be naive. 
there were certainly some people that left at halftime. And as, as Jed mentioned, I mean, it was piss and rain from, from about 1130 through the rest of the day. Um, it was worse than Marshall in 2011 when there had to be that rain delay. It was worse than bowling, not even bowling green in 2012 when Dustin Garrison ran for like 700 yards. It was miss Owen mentions earlier or mentioned earlier, right? How our, our season tickets, there's, there's a group of 12 of us. We we have 12 season tickets that uh, my cousin and some of our friends that we went to school with, um, we're in the boxes at the top of the section. Didn't matter. I mean, we were still getting soaked. That's how that's how bad yeah. the rain was coming down, that we had an overhang over us, and we were still getting soaked. Uh, for those people that stayed uh, and, and were engaged into the game, they deserve a, a tip of the cap that's because, because cap. yeah, because yeah. there was every reason not to go to that game in the first place. If you are somebody who did leave early, I'm not faulting you because it was miserable. And, boys, um, there was noise. There, there was, was noise. Yeah, there was there was uh there was and whoever was there was engaged uh, ponchos and, and piss and rain and all. And so they uh, they deserve some credit. All right. We uh, we're we're rolling here. We're rambling a little bit. Let's let's uh, let's get to the bad here before we give our pivotal moments. OK, uh, I start with this uh, two turnovers. OK, uh, now that goes hand in hand with we didn't force any. That's the second straight game last week. Yeah. We faced a, an Iowa State team that had more turnover issues than any team in the Big 12. We didn't force one against them. This week, again, if ever there was a game to force turnovers, I what I noticed was, in going back to watch the tape, man, we were a lot closer to more fumbles on both sides during just basic exchanges. I mean, just quarterback handoffs. I mean, Tony Mathis almost fumbled a couple. Aaron, Eric Gray almost fumbled a couple. It was just, this was, if you were somebody that handles the football, this was the worst game I've ever covered as a sideline reporter. I mean, not even close. The worst. Second would be the game at M&T Bank Stadium, the, the blowout. Oh, I forgot about I forgot about and, that and, one. Was that that was worse? That, that, that was worse than that was worse than Bowling Green and the Dustin Garrison. That was worse game? than Bowling than the Dustin yeah. Garrison game. Yes, but nothing was worse than this. This was just steady, 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 cold, steady, steady. So the fact that we couldn't force any turnovers that was a little frustrating. Uh, now the OL offensive line leakage up front. Yeah, I get it. They take their chances. They fire gaps, but we gave up 12 TFLs. That's knocking you off script a lot, a lot. Now, the success we did have on third down, we were lucky to have it. We were as as bad as they were on transition downs, one of 13. We were 11 to 24. We were 46%. So uh, I, I tell you what, for as, as much time as we spent off schedule, that's very impressive. So we rebounded from that wretched you know, transition down performance at Iowa State, and the offense bounced back. Uh, defensively, yeah, we gave up the big plays. We had a 67-yard pass. We had a 54-yard run. But, look, I'll live with all that if you're going to hold them on third and fourth down the way you did. Mm -hmm. That's how you hold a good offense, an explosive offense, one of the better offenses in the Big 12, to 18 points. So, and then finally, yards after catch. This was something that jumped out to me. Uh, they weren't pushing the football downfield in part. They got a small-handed quarterback, and it's awful weather to throw the football in, okay? 139 of their 190 pass yards came after the catch. Uh, now, a part of that was a function of those guys were working the perimeter screen and trying to get some three-on-two things going on, working the quick game, trying to get some RPO throws out. Uh, now, in the second half, we did adjust and do a little better job of tightening those things up and taking some of those easy access throws away, but – you know, you can't allow 139 out of 190 yards to be after the no. catch. 
you got to swarm to the football. You got to oh, and you got to get hashed to the football. Do a better job of, of tackling. You know they didn't put a ball on the carpet. You got to be around to scoop that thing up. You get hashed to the football. That happens. But uh, that's some of the bad that I saw. I uh, I tell you what, it, it's like it's such a a juxtaposition there of you held them to one for thirteen on on third and fourth downs. You force no turnovers, right? Like if you would have told me either of those things in a vacuum coming into the game, Jed, if you would have said, Hey, Wes, I saw the future. We're going to hold them to, to, to one, one of 13 on those possession downs. Yep. said, Oh, we win the game. If you would have said, Wes, I saw the future and uh, we turned the ball over twice, but we forced no takeaways. I would have said, Oh, we're going to lose the game. Um, it's just, just, just yeah, funny when the turnovers come, they're downstream of desperate yep. situations on third right. down. Right. Right. Exactly. A lot of more. So yeah, great point. Yep. Exactly. And especially too, you would have told me, Hey, we're going to have a, 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 an extra point blocked and, and take them back to the house yeah. there. Three point swing. I'd have been like, geez, we're not going to win this game. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's credit to, to what you were talking about, the strong finish and, and the no quitting those guys. And I also did want to say, you know, speaking to that camaraderie real quick, a uh, great video from Jed of, uh, of Garrett green on the sideline with, with Lee Coba and Dante stills yeah. and some other guys. And, and just, you, you, you could feel that passion and that energy and that emotion. Uh, it's up on Jed's Twitter page. I know it's retweeted on our, our in the gun page as well, too. Make sure you're checking that out as well. All right, gentlemen, pivotal moments here as we, uh, as we wrap up this segment, Jed, you want to lead us off? Uh, I can, uh, are you, you want me, would you say you want me to go first? It doesn't matter to me. I mean, yeah. what I liked about this Yeah, game, you go first, Wes. You go first. There were a bunch okay. of opportunities here. There, there were a this lot. This wasn't one of those, oh, it had to be this one, right? You there could were go a, a bunch lot. Of ways with this. Go I ahead. could go with, like I said, the, when when Owen and I linked up at about 9.30 in the parking lot, that was a pivotal moment because there was, <laughs> there, was, there was no doubt that the Mountaineers were going to take care of business. I could have gone with the Sam James uh, kick return in the second half that all of a sudden the air was starting to get out of that place. Some people were thinking about leaving and uh, – you end up scoring touchdown and yeah, they have the blocked extra point and everything there. And you're still a little, but, but still that was the, you know, 12 to six versus 10, nothing. There was, there was at least more confidence built in that moment by Sam James. Uh, I could talk about just the decision to go to Garrett green point blank period. Uh, I could talk about that fourth and 10 conversion to Prather green to Prather uh, there late in the game that, that you had to have to keep your chances alive. But gentlemen, much like I told you whenever we recapped that Thursday victory against Baylor. I have loved this university my entire life. My initials are WVU. I've been going to games my whole life. I've got vivid memories of being six, seven, eight years old, chucking the football around in the blue lot with my grandfather. As you've heard me reference, I'm a, I'm a WVU hoops fan. I love the soccer programs. I love the baseball program. I, I live and die with this stuff, right? I'm also, though, an eternal pessimist. I just am. I always think we're going to find a way to lose. We're going to find a way to blow it until the game is over, until we win. And so my pivotal moment for the second time this year is when that Casey Leg field goal crossed through the uprights because I wanted to believe, but I couldn't believe until it actually happened. So my pivotal moment, Casey, the leg with his second game winner, this time a true buzzer beater. Uh, that's my pivotal moment. How'd that look from your okay. guys' angle where you were sitting? It was right in front of us. It was, it was great. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it was scared good. the daylights out of me when he hit was it. Jed, what if I told you that I wasn't looking? I mean, what if, would, would, would oh, you I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. I don't blame you What if you I told all. you? For, for, everybody, for everybody that's watching on YouTube right now, this is how I looked when Casey Legg kicked that field goal. 
just, <laughs> just head just head in my hands, just waiting to hear the crowd pop. Here's my thought process. Okay, 22-yard chip shot, right? All right, well, first of all, it's raining harder right than any game I've ever covered. Operations are difficult. We've already dropped a snap today, okay? We have a new holder. Our other holder is on the sideline with his knee wrapped up, okay? We have a new holder who already dropped a snap today. It's raining harder than I've ever seen. Nothing's a given. And then when he hit it, he didn't hit it well. He knuckleballed it. And from our angle on the sideline, I thought for a brief second, oh, are you kidding me? And then it seemed to me that both officials who ran up to look at each other before they signaled it, I thought, what are you waiting on? I mean, I, I swear they waited 10 seconds before they threw <laughs> their arms up. And then, of course, I watched the TV rebroadcast when I got home. I'm like, they didn't wait. They threw it right up. It just seemed like, it just seemed <laughs> like holy cow, just, they threw them right up. I, like, Here, I, I swear I would have sworn that it was 10 seconds when they threw their arms up. But I, I can't argue with that. I'll have uh, to. It's funny you mentioned that snap too. I'll have to send you the video. One of our one of our buddies, TJ, who who sits at our our seats, he he was taking video of the very end there. And uh -huh. you can you can hear me. I'm sitting like two seats down from him, and you can hear me. I'm going. Just tell me the snap's good. Just tell me the snap's good. Just tell me the snap's good. <laughs> oh. We we've won. Now the protocol is Owen because I want you to go next. So brace yourself. Okay. The protocol is well, when we win, I interview Neil on the field and a player. Okay. That's the second time this year that player has been Casey Lake. I'm running out of questions to ask a kicker. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, Casey's a great kid. At least he's a good interview. I mean, first, you just, one, first one was Baylor. I take it. Yeah, it was Baylor. And, uh, but, but take Casey's a, a great kid, well-spoken kid, you know, great personality. You know, I've always said that I think, a fascinating sitcom that needs to be made is about specialists because when you look at the oh yeah you give me a group of specialists there, there's always some some australian you know character that's making Pat you laugh McAfee. i mean i think a rex sunahara i mean what a personality he was yeah. a long snapper yeah. it's just there's so many personalities in that room and you never think it you're thinking ah idiot kickers as peyton manning likes to call them right but no there's some personalities in those rooms yeah oh big time Big time. They're the they're the biggest jokesters on the team, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think for me, uh, West. Yeah, I, obviously. I mean, it's been that kind of year. Um, for me, the pivotal moment I think was when the fresh that freshman from OU, that linebacker, he got the uh, face mask penalty. Ended up giving us the first down. I think it was like third and long, or it might have even been fourth. I, I can't remember the the true sequence, but that was the sequence that. where we go. It was gonna be. It was gonna be third and long. It was, was gonna be third and long. Yeah, it was an eleven yard loss yeah. to a fifteen yard gain. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and uh, and then just going, and then you know what proceeded after that, we ended up going down and uh, and putting it in. But mm -hmm. that that kind of for me, once I rewatched what was going on felt like that was the spark for us even though there was other scores after that obviously um for them to go up 20 you know and then us to get to there and then the field goal but it felt kind of like we needed that we needed that uh sometimes you need lady luck and uh that was our uh that was our lady luck there to keep that drive alive jedgar all right well early in the fourth quarter I mean, first of all, it's hard to dispute that, Owen, because I was thinking, man, if if they hadn't if they hadn't been flagged on a face mask, I, I don't see us overcoming that. We're punting, right? That's a really but, good. Uh, 
Yeah, that's a good one. So early in the fourth quarter, we get the ball back down 20 to 13. Okay. Uh, now we start the, the possession with a penalty. So we're looking at a first and 20. So next thing you know, Garrett hits KP for five. Now it's second and 15. We're still way behind schedule. We're still against the sticks. Okay. Now what happens is ball on the right hash. Okay. Here, I'll give you guys a, a glance. You see on my screen? All right there. Okay. So I'm looking at the, the, the coach's tape. You know what I mean? But uh, when you look at the coach's tape, what's going to end up happening is uh, trips to the field. Okay. And uh, we isolate Sam James. We isolate Sam James in the slot to the trip side. Uh, they come out and cover one. Uh, a lot going on in the play. Uh, Bryce runs a hitch on the outside. So he, he keeps the corner isolated. On the inside is Palende, who runs a stick route, who keeps the backer isolated. Now, uh, the other defensive back, Trey Morrison, is isolated on Sam James, and Sam James runs a slot fade. Well, Br Garrett saw this pre-snap, so he kind of knew where he was going with the football because of the alignment of the safety, who was directly over top him on the opposite hash away from the formation. So pre-snap, Garrett had to know, I'm, I'm trying to find time to work at that uh, fade route to the slot. Meanwhile, what ends up happening is Wyatt's struggling with their big pass rusher. This kid's 6'5", 265. He's uh, Jonah Laolu, this kid from Hawaii. Well, he shakes free, and Garrett gets a mouthful of him, right? Gets a mouthful of him right as he's delivering this football, delivers it outside shoulder just as he should. I'm watching it again as we talk about it. Uh, delivers it outside shoulder as he should. And even then, uh, the Morrison kid is all over Sam James, and he makes an incredible catch an incredible catch for 35 yards, uh, kind of the cherry on top to what I think was the best game in Sam James' career, all things considered. He's had bigger numbers in games, but I think this was the most complete and impressive effort he had pitching in to help us win a football game. And as you know, that kind of set the table, pushed us down near the 30. Uh, otherwise, if that's incomplete, we're looking at a third and long. It gets ugly, third and 15. Sam makes the play. Uh, that sets the table for what happened on the drive in which Garrett reached the end zone to tie the game. The rest is kind of history. But, but I think that was the pivotal moment for me and, and a day full of pivotal moments. I love it. Yeah, no, there were certainly a lot of them. Of course, number one, though, we all know. Big O and I being there in attendance, baby. Ooh, yeah. And a big shout-out to Owen, by the way, Jed. We – made it seven hours into this episode and we didn't mention his, his big win on Friday night. I mean, Oh yeah, have, yeah, yeah. Speaking of co you speaking of coaching commodities, I tell you what, that Owen Schmidt, he's rapidly moving up the ranks. <laughs> big shout yeah, out was, to green, was... green buyer West with a big 35, nothing win in honor of number 35. They left no doubt, brother. It was at venison in a mud bowl, son. It was, it was, yeah, uh, Jed, you think the condition, well, he, he was showing me pictures. You think the conditions were bad at Mountaineer field. My goodness. I, it was crazy. I mean, we still, we still haven't washed the jerseys. still haven't come clean. We were, we, uh, it's like the third wash on them right now. <laughs> so, I, I mean, it. just pretty cool though, man. It was a good, good weekend of football for sure. Heck yeah. 
Heck yeah. Those are our pivotal moments brought to you by our friends at High Street Prints. Make sure you're checking them out, highstreetprintshop.com for all your printing and merchandising needs. Of course, they do all of our merchandise at itgfootball.com. The holidays are right around the season. Get you some hats, some hoodies, some T-shirts, some polos, itgfootball.com. Just click on the little shop icon. Thanks to our friends at High Street Prints for making that all possible. We've got one more quick break to get to here, then we'll be back to wrap up the show. On the other side, you are in the gun. For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyd's of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations, with more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. ITG here wrapping things up. What an episode. Plenty to get to, plenty to discuss all over the place. Thanks to everybody for for hanging out with us. Uh, Thanks to everybody who makes this possible, including our friends at Bet Online for uh, for presenting this episode. Gentlemen, we'll be back in just a few days. K-State, another ranked opponent, rolls into Morgantown. And uh, see if we can keep this momentum going. Great opportunity. I mean, we say it about the Big 12 every week. Uh, whether you win or whether you lose, there's another very challenging game the next week, no matter who you're playing. This is going to come in the form of a K-State team that's ranked in both polls. I want to see where K-State ends up in the playoff rankings, which are going to come out uh, Tuesday night. Because I tell you what, they opened a lot of eyes by what they did going into Waco and dismantling a very good Baylor team the way they did. I mean, they tore them apart. They're playing great football. Yeah, it'll be an interesting game. Um, Don't know if I'm going to spread the magic this weekend. Uh, We'll see. (laughs) Still working on it. We'll see. We'll see if I can bring my muse powers to combined with Wes and we can, with our cup powers combined for Mountaineer pride. Hey, two and you, just, you let me, you let me know. I got a, I got a ticket. I got a ticket for you. If you're, if you're, if you're looking to, to get rowdy once again, we'll discuss that later. <laughs> on we'll have our, we'll have our full K state preview episode for you guys in just a few days. Uh, before we go, as always, the one thing we ask of you is to be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite WV football podcast, itgfootball.com, in the gun podcast on all your social media channels, and of course on YouTube. If you want to see the visual element of all this, Owen's beautiful beard, Jed's graphics, my baby face, and all of our beautiful mugs uh, on YouTube at in the gun podcast. Gentlemen, great stuff as always. Thank you. We'll be back in just a few days for your full K State preview as we look to uh, finish the season strong here, uh, both on the podcast and on the football field. Have a good week, everybody. We'll talk to you in just a couple days. This is ITG. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.